You've said it once and you've probably said it a thousand times and he still doesn't seem to get it. And when you try to tell him how it makes you feel, he brushes you off and you feel brushed aside. You walk away feeling disappointed and misunderstood. Why can't he just care more about how you feel? Why can't he just communicate better? Listen, Linda, I've got some good news for you today, but we're going to need to sit down together and dig a little deeper first, and you might be surprised at what's really going on here. So go grab your coffee and get ready, because here we go. This isn't a game of ding-dong ditch, and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit-up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR Podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. The jar encouraged me that we are never going to be perfect, but we are perfectly broken. As the Lord cleanses us, perfects us, and makes us whole again as vessels He can pour Himself into, Lydia encourages us to keep our eyes fixed on Him, the only one who can make us whole. Definitely subscribe and be transformed. Thank you, Sarah. And did y'all know that this podcast has reached people in 32 countries now? I am blown away by that and kind of geeking out a little bit as an army brat who's lived around the world and as a self-proclaimed geography nerd. I just love that. And when you leave me a review, it helps this podcast be seen more and reach more ears of more wives around the globe and make an impact on marriages all over the world. So if you haven't yet, go to the bottom of the show, click on write a review, and share what you've gained from listening to this podcast. So about this time of year on Facebook, there's like all of these polls and questions of who's already decorating for Christmas or who waits until after Thanksgiving and just kind of thinking about the holidays coming up. You know, a lot of marriages really struggle during these times with communication about where to spend the holidays or how to do it or or which parties we're going to or what to bring or family dynamics being around extended family or around a lot more people suddenly you probably know how it goes you you start to miscommunicate in front of people you don't want to argue in front of people maybe you find a time to go in a room and kind of whisper argue and try to figure things out without letting other people know that you're kind of in this awkward argument but you're trying to be happy and you know how it goes So I thought, you know, one of the highest downloaded episodes so far on this podcast is number 29 about is communication a problem in your marriage? It's such a foundational element to any relationship, but especially a marriage, that it really doesn't surprise me that that's one of the highest downloaded ones. And, you know, so today I was just thinking, why is communication such a problem? Why is it so 
difficult. And maybe it's not difficult all the time for you. Maybe typically you don't feel that way. But when it is a problem, why does it become that way? What gets you there? And how do you get out of it? It's so common for every marriage for what reason? And if it's common, does that make it bad? If it's common, what are the common reasons that it's happening? And what can we as wives do to change that or to help it get better or to help it grow without maybe blaming our husbands or putting it all on them? So I want you to walk into this holiday season feeling prepared, feeling like you've got more tools in your tool belt to communicate better with him maybe while simultaneously pulling out your Christmas lights and your decorations. And it just brings me to one of the movies that we watch every Christmas season. Please tell me you've seen it too. Is Christmas Vacation when all of the extended family shows up at the house and uh, Clark Griswold, he goes outside to decorate the house with, you know, a big tangle of lights. And basically he says that he'll be out there for the rest of the season. (laughs) And sometimes we end up feeling that way, just overwhelmed with all that's going on and maybe not able to clearly communicate what it is that we're feeling. But on a less funny note, it really can be detrimental and ruin relationships or the holidays and really just cause more damage than we intended because we don't feel prepared for it. And maybe we find ourselves thinking that we're communicating well because we're having conversations, but how we're going about it is actually making it worse. And so I really want to talk to you wives today because I feel like sometimes it's it's pretty easy for us to kind of blame things on our husband. Like, well, if he would just put his phone down when I'm talking to him and pay attention to me, or I wish he would just catch my my body language cues of you know, silent treatment, or I'm giving him short word answers, or, you know, he can tell I'm mad. Why doesn't he care to ask me what's wrong? Or maybe it's even just in our our word choice of language like, well, you should, or you need to, or I really need you to. Even when we think we're being direct and clear, how we're saying it or our word choice really can make a difference. So, Here's, here's one thing that you might find yourself doing without really knowing it, is demanding instead of requesting. I'm taking a, a few notes from the book Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg, and I've, I've quoted some of his stuff before. It's really good just because it helps you understand that even just the slightest word change or word choice can make a pretty big difference in how a conversation plays out, which might seem like a daunting task to think, oh, I have to think about every single word I say. I don't want, I don't want to sit there and evaluate, is this word better than this word? But with practice and with understanding this, it really can be empowering because you have the power to change the, the direction of that conversation make it go a different way and not feel like it has to go the same way every time. If marriage is so-called 50-50, that's a good thing. That's good news. You have the ability to make a change too and even redirect 
that conversation. So part of it is just knowing that you have that ability and it's not all up to him. So here are a few ways that will help empower you. You know, a lot of wives are hmm, known for being bossy and even the the Bible will talk about um, the nagging wife and how it's <laughs> how it's easier for a man to live on the corner of his roof than under it with a nagging wife. And I'm probably not quoting that directly, but the point is sometimes we are too quick to speak and the way that we speak and our word choice can be demanding. We use the language of you should or you need to and we kind of boss him around like he's one of our children. When our husband hears us demand, he is less likely to respond in a loving or a kind or a willing way. When we put a demand on him, like he should be cleaning up after himself, even if it's just to ourselves, even if we are using the language in our minds, maybe we're not saying it out loud, but in our minds, we're picking up the wet towel off the floor and simultaneously saying he should be cleaning up after himself. Why doesn't he know how to do this yet? I deserve to be spoken to in a kinder way, or I deserve to be, you know, appreciated or recognized for this or that. Even when we speak to ourselves about him that way, then that affects how we act towards him or the words that come out suddenly and he's standing there confused like, what the heck? I didn't do anything. Why are you, you know, but we've already been conditioning our mind and our heart to be bossy or nagging or demanding toward him and catching the poor guy off guard. How do we come at him to express maybe something that really is bothering us or hurting us without being demanding? And part of it starts with kind of scanning our our minds, our thoughts before we even come to him and changing those and transforming those thoughts from demands to a request. Maybe instead of thinking even that he should be cleaning up after himself, thinking about asking him to clean up after himself. And then when you come to him and address it, it will naturally come out in a nicer way of, hey babe, would you mind picking up your wet towel off the floor? I step on it every time I come in the bathroom or something like that. And even just changing it from I would like you to, to a a question of would you be willing to, putting putting it back into his court, so to speak, putting the ball back in his court, would you be willing to? It's giving him the ability to make that decision instead of it being a demand that he then has to quote-unquote obey or fall in line with because you're the boss and he's just doing what you're telling him to do. So changing your thoughts first about how you're thinking about him or about his habits or tendencies, and then when you are speaking to him, making the changes of a statement to a question. So again, another example might be, you really need to stop looking at your phone when I'm talking to you because, and then you think you're giving an explanation that makes sense, and maybe it does, but the fact that you started off with, you really need to, or you should, starts off with a a demand instead of a request. So again, making it a question instead. Start off it, started off with, babe, would you be willing to put your phone down when I'm having a conversation with you because it really makes me feel like you care when you're looking at me. Then it's up to him to respond with maybe subconsciously thinking, 
am I willing to? Yes, I'm willing to. No problem, babe. And he'll set it down. Or, you know, I can't really fathom it happening this way, but if he were to say, no, I'm not willing to set my phone down, I don't think a lot of your husbands would. Now, maybe he's in the middle of something and maybe he needs to say, sure, babe, I'll put my phone down. Just give me a a couple minutes to finish what I'm doing and then I will put this away and we can have a conversation. So maybe he's in the middle of doing something important or maybe he's not and he's just playing a game on his phone. But maybe he is willing to. So he's just going to finish what he's doing and then he will give you the undivided attention. But phrasing it as a question of his willingness and desire to meet your needs gives him the ability to be the man that he he says he wants to be or that he's trying to be before you come at him with a demand. And a demand is something that ends up leading to criticism and judgment. And so if, if it starts off as, I'm telling you what to do, therefore I'm criticizing the fact that you haven't already done this, or I'm judging the way that you are engaging with me or not I'm judging the way that you clean up after yourself or not or I'm criticizing you and that just comes off as condescending or demeaning or emasculating all of those things so there's even a way to show respect to him in how you phrase your desires of being less demanding and making it a request instead and that's something that I've got to work on y'all it's this is not something that comes easily to me. I'm a, I'm a teacher by nature and by trade. And I homeschool my boys. And so for 12 plus years, I have been telling little people what to do. And so turning that off, suddenly when I'm speaking to a, a grown-up, instead, you know, my husband has had to tell me before, actually asked me, can you turn your teacher voice off when you're talking to me? And I'm like, I didn't even realize I was doing that. You know, but just to switch it, coming home from the classroom or, you know, coming upstairs from homeschooling the boys and then I'm talking to him and I'm suddenly talking to him the same way that I talk to them, that's that's not okay, but sometimes it's hard for me to even recognize that I'm doing it. So even um, if this comes to a point of, all right, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to be working on this during this holiday season of being less demanding I really am trying to work on how I ask you to do things or how I express how I'm feeling about something and what I need from you and I know that I I tend to be bossy or I know that because I'm a mom or a teacher or whatever it is I can tend to be this way so if I start doing this can you ask me to say that in a nicer way or come up with some sort of, you know, for for us, it it was him telling me that I'm using my teacher voice and I'm like, oh shoot, okay, sorry. You know, we kind of agreed, so to speak, that that would be like the code phrase that would let me know that I'm speaking to him in a more demanding way. So even letting your husband in on the fact that you're, you're wanting to work on this can be something that helps conversations go better. He knows that you want to communicate in a healthier and better way. So maybe have a conversation at some point and just let him know that you love him, you want to communicate better, and that you want to give him the ability just as much to help you as you're trying to be helpful to him. 
And another thing that will, will help your communication, especially during holidays, is to reflect back to him. If you find yourself saying things like, that's not what I said, or you're not getting it, or you're not listening, or you don't hear me, all of those you don't, or you didn't, or you're not, all of those negative ways of phrasing that can kind of make him feel like he's a child being chastised by you. And even if that's not what you intend and you're trying to just be assertive, phrasing it that way really does kind of put him in that position of the child and and you are the authority figure speaking down to him. So a better way of handling that can be to reflect back to him what you think that he's trying to say. And you can phrase things like instead of saying you didn't get that or you're not understanding me, changing it to something that you are taking ownership of like this. I can see that I didn't make myself clear or as clear as I'd hoped. Let me try again. It's you attempting to be clear and concise and respectful all at the same time. And if he's misunderstanding you, part of it could be how you're expressing it. Maybe you're not being clear or maybe you are and it's taking him a while to get it and that's okay. But staying patient and again, owning your part in it and how you phrase things. And it's so difficult in the heat of the moment to not start to get negative, to not turn to, oh, you're just not getting it. Or that's not what I said. What I said was, and I totally get it, and I do that too. And that's why this will help. Turn it around, put it back on you, control what you can control, which is your words and your actions, and rephrase it. Okay, I can see that I'm not being as clear as I would like, because when you ask them to repeat back to you, what are you hearing me say? Maybe what they're hearing you say is something that they are assuming is something that you're really not saying, but it's triggering something in them and they're assuming something. So even if you reflect back to them and say, you you sound angry, is what I'm saying making you angry? And then they have the ability to express what it is they're thinking and then it clarifies for you going, oh, okay, I see how what I said made you think that. Okay, let me try again. Kind of keeping it less about you versus him and more of, okay, the end goal is mutual respect, is mutual understanding. Our end goal is to be able to communicate well about this topic. It's really hard to keep that in focus when feelings get involved and your blood pressure starts to rise, your heart starts beating faster, you end up feeling angry and frustrated either at the other person or just at the fact that this conversation isn't easy. But stay in it. Stay aware of the fact that it's not you versus him. And it is not a battle. This is something that is two imperfect, broken people trying their best to communicate and come to a mutual agreement or understanding. And with these tools, it really can make a difference. So if you find yourself using negative phrases like you don't or you can't or how come every time I do this, you always, that automatically puts the other person on the defensive. 
they feel like they have to start fighting because you are already coming at them with a a negative statement. So instead of a statement, try a question. Instead of saying, you're always on your phone when I'm talking to you, try making it a question. Would you be willing to put your phone down when I'm talking? Because I feel like you care when you're looking at me. Put the ball back in his court and make it a request instead. And then reflect back to him or ask for reflection. So if he's saying something and you and you feel confused or you feel frustrated, you can say to them, what I hear you saying is, and then repeat what you think it is that they're saying. That gives them the opportunity to clarify what they're saying. Or if you're the one talking, ask them, what do you hear me saying? And let them tell you, I hear you saying this, or it's this or that, and then you have the clarity. Then you have the ability to hear what they're saying and maybe how they're taking something and and readjust your language or your word choice or how you're saying something and not let those little assumptions and negative word choices affect the direction of your conversation and the outcome. And especially with this holiday season coming up with Thanksgiving, with Christmas, with family events and all of the different parties that you go to or all the preparation that you're doing, take the time to practice this and remember to let him in. Let him know that you are working on yourself in this area and give him some kind of code word or code phrase like my husband does for me of my teacher voice. Let him know that he has the ability to kindly ask or say that you are communicating in old patterns or communicating in a demanding type of way that cues you into that, that triggers you to pull out these new tools to use instead so that it can go smoother, so that you can more quickly get to a place of understanding each other and work through the actual issue instead of fighting each other on your inability to communicate well. I hope this empowers you and helps you understand that there's hope. There's hope in communicating better with your husband, especially in a very high-stress time of the year, and you really can do this. And if you're not a part of the Christian Wife and Marriage community on Facebook, come join us over there. We're going to keep talking about stuff like this, and I'm going to keep giving you more tools and tips. So click on the link in the show notes or in Facebook. If you just type in Christian Wife and Marriage Community, you'll see it pop up and you can join. I'll see y'all there. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.